Seinfeld, The Good Samaritan is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now here are the two guys who never hit and run and don't leave a note. I'm Rob Sisternino, and here is Eduardo Carocchio. Wait, when you say we don't leave a note, you mean that we just leave it like we, I mean, what, you know, we don't hit and run and we don't leave a note. We don't either. We do neither. Okay. Yeah. So we wait there. We don't hit and run. So yeah, we hit and wait. Oh, okay. So we're not pulling, um, who's the actor who does that? We're not pulling the, uh, (laughs) well, Anthony Quinn, uh, he always leaves a note. Uh, and then uh, I'm not sure who the other actor is that uh, he sits and waits. All right. So we're going to sit and wait. We'll sit and wait. Kirk Douglas. He sits and waits. Yeah, that's right. Kirk Douglas. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about the good Samaritan here on the Seinfeld uh, recap show. This is episode number 20 all the way in season three. How about that? Yeah, um, we are uh, one fifth of the way done. Episode number 37 overall. So look at us, Akiva. Uh, we're motoring along. Yeah. So we got a lot to talk about here today in this episode where Jerry ends up meeting a woman who hits a car, does not leave a note, and Jerry ends up going ahead and dating this woman. Meanwhile, George experiments uh, with s- s- being part of an adulterous relationship. Although he is not the one committing adultery himself. No, he's not the one committing adultery himself. And we get into a lot of stuff with uh, what should you say when somebody sneezes? And Kramer, of course, has a very negative reaction to entertainment tonight. Uh, Yeah, I mean, most people do, but not that violent. Not that violent. All right. So, Akiva, we got a lot of stuff to uh, get to. How's your week been? Uh, My week was good. I I had a bit of a crazy day today. I was online. And uh, I was discussing with my wife that we have to take a trip overseas this summer to see family. Now, you and were lo and on behold, a line somewhere or you were online like on the oh, computer? Oh, no, no, no. You know I don't leave the house. So okay. I was not on a, a queue. Uh, I was, I was, you know, on the computer. And someone tweeted that there was a mistaken fare uh, on United Airlines that they had posted um, uh, first class tickets from New York to London for uh, $40. Okay. I don't know if they mixed up. You had to go through Denmark, not not fly through Denmark. You had to go through like the you had to you had to like click Denmark on the on the website. Okay. So anyway, I mean, I did it, and it took like two hours of like back and forth, whatever. But I, I booked uh, five tickets for my family for two hundred dollars. That would normally be you know like forty thousand dollars. Wow, wow! Look at you, Akiva, and they can't say uh, that like, hey, we made a mistake. Um, I, I'll let you know. I mean, uh, I've been laying low. But uh, I see on Twitter that a bunch of people have asked them what the status is, and they're uh, they're still deciding. Still deciding. Okay. But is it wrong, Rob? This is my question. I'm bringing it up because obviously United Airlines made a mistake. They don't want to sell me, you know, a ten thousand dollar ticket or however much it costs first class New York to London for forty dollars. Yes. So now, am I wrong for taking advantage of United Airlines? Hmm. But then you go on a podcast and talk about United Airlines and then people are like, boy, that United Airlines, they're not so bad. And so was it worth it for the uh, free advertising, the, uh, you know, thirty nine thousand eight hundred dollar loss they're taking? That's right. I mean, a commercial in the Super Bowl is five million. 
Yes. You know, extrapolate a little bit. I'd say 40,000 for a commercial here. Yeah. I mean, American Airlines is going to be furious. You know, they probably were hoping to sponsor us. Yeah. I mean, we don't have any advertising on uh, post-show recaps uh, yet at this point, but based on my knowledge of what the podcast ad market looks like, uh, I think they may have overpaid on the uh, $39,800, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, uh, I bet um, I bet on cereal. You, that's a good deal to have a forty thousand dollars commercial. Probably, probably. All right, well, good on them and good on you, Akiva. Look at you. Well, unless I did the wrong thing, I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I should have. I saw one person tweeted at them saying, "By the way, there's a glitch in your site uh, that you know you should fix it." And then people were responding to him, calling him curse words. Akiva, are you worried at all that once you go first class, then will you not be able to go back to coach? I, not only am I not worried, I, that's my hope that maybe, you know, my wife and kids will never want to go anywhere again because they'll be spoiled. Okay, that's good. And I was also thinking, like, can I trade my seat? Like, let's, you know, can I sell my first class seat on the flight for like $500 to somebody? Whoa, you would take it for that little? Oh, no, I'm going to pay them the $500 so I don't have to sit with my three kids for the whole flight. Oh, okay. Got that. Got that. (laughs) I'm going to move back. (laughs) All right. So, Akiva, uh, do you have any Seinfeld news before we get into the episode? Uh, Yeah, we have have, uh, Seinfeld adjacent news, I'll say. The uh, podcast about nothing's uh, Broadway reporter, Alex Chester, was one of the first people to see Larry David's new play. Yes. How was it? And he sent me uh, he sent me a review. You know, I don't know if you know this about Broadway. But you're not supposed to review a play until opening night. Yeah, it's bad luck, right? Right. So, no. I, yeah, maybe for the audience. For the, uh, <laughs> or no, I think you're not supposed to say the name of the play. I think that's bad luck. Okay. I don't know. So anyway, but you're not allowed to. Anyway, so this could be the, this could be the first review. They're very superstitious the on Broadway. They're very superstitious. Yeah. So this is probably the first review anywhere of Fish in the Dark, Larry David's play. Anyway, he said it was very good. It was like an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Just Larry has a different name. It was very Seinfeldy. He said there were some jokes that were basically straight out of Seinfeld. And uh, he gives it, uh, you know, two, star- two thumbs up. Now, is that uh, two stars on the review scale? I think it's the two earbuds out of two earbuds. Okay, two earbuds. Got it. That's different. All right. Good stuff. Uh, anything else from the world of Seinfeld news? No, I think that's it for this week. All right. So let's jump into talking about uh, this episode. And Jerry starts off with the stand-up. And he's talking about how everybody has a phone. You got the car phone. You got the house phone. You got this phone. You got this phone. You got the bathroom phone. You got all these phones. And he is talking about how everybody is talking. And you got an answering machine. You got voicemail. Did I get any messages? Did I miss any messages? He says, and nobody has anything to say. Now, does this joke become funnier or less funny uh, in the transition from uh, 1993 to 2015? Oh, 1992 to 2015. I'll say it's definitely more prescient now than, you know, even then. Yeah, that everybody's chatting, texting. I don't know if people are talking, but certainly the phone addiction is something that holds up today. Yes. So Jerry was really at the cutting edge of all this. Yeah, I mean, having a car phone in 92, Jerry was really rolling in style. He definitely was. And he says that the thing is you need to give people a chance to miss you once in a while. It's true. I like to shut off my phone for like a full day every now and then. Yeah. Well, you do that every week, don't you? Right. Not just not just like Friday night and Saturday. I mean, like during the week. <laughs> during the week. Oh, yeah. I'll just shut it off. I just won't charge it for like a day. Yeah. No, I would love it. I would love to have a, a, a day with no phone, no computer, and uh, nobody can talk to me. 
Uh, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, <laughs> five stars. It's five. It's like four and a half stars. I mean, it would be nice to be able to, you know, it's hard to go 24 hours without Twitter. Yeah. All right. You know, you miss all the news. Then you got to like scroll down. There's no way to scroll up. You have yeah. to like scroll all the way down and then work your way up. It's terrible. Yeah. And it's hard to just get the important stuff. It's hard to just like, uh, give me the highlights of Twitter. There should be a way to do that. If someone out there is like an engineer for yeah. Twitter or something. Like I want the sports out. center of Twitter. Like uh, I didn't, wasn't on Twitter all day, but I want to put it on at 11 o'clock and it's like, uh, all right, a lot happened on Twitter today. Let's go to our top story. Yeah. And scrolling through like 24 hours of tweets is a full-time job. You don't want to do that. Yes. All right. So we see the episode opens in Jerry driving around, talking on the car phone to Elaine. Not only car phones, car speaker phone. Uh, yeah, I think all car phones had speaker phones back then, if I remember. Is that right? Yeah, because they didn't want you holding a phone. Like then it was considered ridiculous to hold a phone. Yeah. Wow. Well, who knew? I think they were even built into a lot of them. They were built into the cars, if I remember. Okay. So they're driving around and the guy sort of cuts off Jerry or Jerry lets a guy in. He does not give a thank you wave. Uh, yeah. I mean, the thank you wave is uh, he's like chasing after this guy for a thank you wave. Is it such a big deal? Yeah, not a big deal. All right. So they're talking about uh, somebody who, who is Robin Sandowski. All right. So Robin Sandusky is uh, is Elaine's friend. Yes. Uh, poor. <laughs> no relation. No relation to Jerry Sand. I mean, we don't. She could be related to Jerry Sandusky. It's like a Joel Rifkin thing. It could be, or you know, it's probably bad luck. It would be funny if in syndication they like change the name. Yeah, Robin Paterno. <laughs> Paterno. <laughs> so, uh, and who is Robin? She's just Elaine's friend, and uh, she's married to a lovely guy named Michael. And we're gonna see Elaine uh, go to dinner with them later in the episode. Okay, so. As Elaine is talking, we hear a car crash and Jerry says, oh, my God, a car just backed into a parked car and now they're driving away. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you see this, do you chase after the guy? No, never. Also, he assumes it's a man like what? You know, that's like reverse sexism or something. Why do you why do you assume it's a guy? <laughs> yeah. And Elaine is sort of like, well, what are you going to do? You're going to follow you're going to follow him. You're not going to let him get away with this. And she says, what are you yellow? So does Jerry have the same weaknesses as Marty McFly? I think so. I think if you call him, you know, if you call him yellow, he's got to do. I, that was like an 80s thing. Like if someone calls you yellow, that's it. You got to do what they it's like basically a dare. Is that it? Is that an 1880s thing? Because I know when <laughs> Marty McFly goes back to the Old West, that definitely gets him uh, upset in the 1880s. That's true. Maybe. I don't know if it's like a Texas thing, but yeah, I guess it might not be predates Seinfeld for sure. All right. So Jerry ends up seeing the woman. He follows her. He doesn't know it's a woman. And then a, a woman gets out of the car and Jerry's about to confront her, but then is sort of like, oh, I see you got some low air pressure in your tire. Uh, yeah. I mean, right. She's about to say it. And then he sees that she's pretty and he starts, you know, he doesn't know anything about cars. He starts making stuff up. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what his like standard here was for like, you know, if she's X pretty, I'm going to uh, ignore the fact that. And also like, let's say it was like a big burly guy. He would probably say something similar. Yeah, right. Like what was going to be the scenario is going to have to be like some like nerdy guy for Jerry to really give them a tongue lashing. Right. Or an old lady. Yeah. Or an old lady. Anyway, so it's hard to really gauge how attractive a 1992 hit and run woman is. I agree. She's like a little bit all over the map. When she speaks, she goes, whatever your scale is, she like breaks the scale. She goes way down on the scale. Like, is she a 1992 nine? Is she a 1992 six? 
I think they're intending for her to be a 1992-9, but I think in reality, she's like a 92-7. What about the girl in the blue sweatpants? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we could have seen a little more of the girl in the blue sweatpants, but she's, I, I think she's like intentionally slightly, you know, more, um, I guess like a little, they want to make her seem better looking. I'm not sure. I don't know. Is she supposed to be a 1992-10? I mean, also like it's, they're making it seem like she's wearing sweatpants. So like, she's not even trying hard. Okay, <laughs> let's see. I would like to know the conversion. We do this for money. I'd love to know right. what a 1992-9 would be in 2015. I feel like it's not a favorable scale. I can tell you who's held up better today. Yes. Oh, you looked up both of these women? Well, I listen. I look up everybody who's on the show. You know, we have a lot of, we have the fun facts segment. I have to, you know, be on top of all this stuff. All right. So well, who held up better? I'm going to guess woman in the blue sweatpants. Uh, woman in the blue sweatpants. Uh, yeah, I mean, they both held up pretty well. I'd say that, um, first of all, they both work a lot. But I, I don't know. I was on, I was on the Twitter of, um, of Angela, who's Angela. They don't use their names a lot. so. Just to be clear, Angela's the uh, hit and run lady, and Becky Gelke is the uh, blue sweatpants lady. Got it. You should, I don't know. Angela, the hit and run lady, was just complaining about how she's been in like 10 TV shows recently, and she's been killed off immediately in all of them. All right. So does that mean she's held up better? No. I, she's, no, they've both held up well. It's, it's like, a, you know, her name is Melinda McGraw. She's held up well. The, she was like retweeting links to articles saying there's too much violence and deaths on television basically in response to her being killed off in every show. Yeah. All right. So after that, we go to see Jerry in his apartment. Jerry tells George that the whole story and he got a decaf cappuccino with her. Uh, yeah, but don't tell Elaine. Yeah. Well, George is speechless. He has no speech. Uh, yeah. One of the more well-known lines from the episode, like he, you know, this Top is 20 <laughs> of the episode. Sure. Yes. <laughs> it's not in the top thousand for the series. Okay. Better than magic loogie. Yeah, I don't know. Magic Loogie is is high up there. Yeah. It's not Magic Loogie. It's not pretzels are making me thirsty. Okay. Yeah, first of all, Jerry is a horrible person. I mean, you know, he's he's ignoring the the lady who got hit. He's dating this other person. You know, if I was, uh, you know, this episode is called The Good Samaritan. And, uh, and obviously, The Good Samaritan comes into play in the final episode uh, where they do not observe the Good Samaritan law and they go to jail. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, you know, if I was, if, you know, when we've discussed this before, if you were the DA building a case, Rob, for the finale, you know, this would, you'd probably give up, give, uh, you know, Becky Gelke a call and, and maybe get her story on the stand, no? I don't know. Um, Becky Gelke, uh, yeah, her story sounds bad, but we know the truth that Jerry paid like $800 for an accident that he had nothing to do with, that he was just sort of like an accomplice, that he was there and he witnessed it and he tried to get her to leave a note and leave her insurance information. He ends up like the woman ends up being a psycho. I mean, we don't even get to the point where Jerry, I don't believe, has consummated the relationship. Um, I feel like when you look at all of the facts, Jerry was a pretty good guy here. I mean, the worst of his offenses was that he lied to Elaine. Yeah, but he also, I mean, he really like, you want to give him credit for paying the $850 for, um, you know, for the car, but really he's just paying that to buy her off to go out with her. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Jerry is, is, uh, you know, dating this girl and not, and, you know, re not revealing the fact that he witnessed it and run George is, uh, you know, sleeping with a married woman. Elaine is making up lies about a fake boyfriend and, you know, she met in Switzerland, you know, really, uh, you know, there's a lot of ammunition for the district, for the, uh, for the prosecutor of the, uh, of the series finale case right, right here in this episode. Kramer's not that bad here. 
Yeah, you feel bad for Kramer. Kramer didn't do anything wrong. It's not his fault that, you know, Mary Hart gives him seizures. Yeah. If anything, he's guilty of a violation of the bro code for going in and swooping in and, and stealing Becky Gelke away. Yeah, but does he really... I mean, he knows that Jerry's had a crush on her, but does he really think that Jerry's about to act on it? Yeah. It's really one of the more minor infractions of the bro code that Kramer's going to commit here in these episodes. All right. So they. one of the other things about the uh, the car woman, uh, she touches Jerry's arm when she laughs. And George, uh, he likes that too. And George asks, why do we like that? Why is that good? And uh, Jerry just like, let's not even analyze it. I, I like that they decide to not even pick that one minutia apart. Yeah, that is funny. Like, yeah, we don't spend our entire lives talking about nothing. Like this episode is not going to be about what to say after someone sneezes. So Jerry uh, says that he's going to go out on a date with the woman on Friday night. Elaine, uh, she comes up and Jerry uh, tells George, don't tell Elaine. And he says, uh, I dig. Uh, the vault is sealed. The vault is sealed. Uh, I like that he gets the same response to, uh, to I dig as the, uh, can we cut to the chase? It's sort of like, uh, he gives him the look. He doesn't get into like, uh, I would lose that though. Yeah. George is trying out a new catchphrase in almost every episode here. <laughs> yeah. All right. So great couples always have a great meeting story. According to George, uh, Akiva, is this the case with you and the lovely Mrs. Winokur? Um, the uh no i, I mean i think i've yeah mentioned i feel like we said that you were just it was like a fix-up no we met each other uh we were counselors at a special needs uh camp got it yeah um yeah and but also like that's assuming we're a great couple like <laughs> that's you know, true that's true that's true uh yeah and my wife that uh she was a friend of my sister's and my parents, you know, when I was on Survivor, they used to have uh, the party every week when the episode was on. And then uh, my wife used to come to the parties because my sister would have her friends there. Not a terrible story. It's not terrible, but it's not. It's hardly good. Well, are you a great couple? Oh, depends on the day, Akiva. Depends on the day. The test wasn't today, was it? The uh, the test? Yeah, the t- the great couple test. That wasn't today, oh, right? Oh, if we're like if we're drawing a line from today, uh if it was t- if it was today, um, are you in trouble? <laughs> we're we're not passing the test if it's today. Stressful stressful times uh, with uh, getting ready to move. All right. All right. So it's also very funny that George is pouring a <laughs> glasses of milk uh, from the refrigerator, and I did. I thought this was odd as they're doing it. I mean, I didn't think too much of it, but I loved that you know he pours a glass for himself and a glass for Jerry, and then he, Jerry is like he drinks. He's like, "What am I drinking? Milk?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean. I'd like to see Jerry's food budget, like just, you know, what Kramer, George and Elaine spend on his food every month. Yeah. You know, I really, while, you know, the story here is not great. What I do really like about this episode and a lot of the stuff that I've liked about season three, that I love that there's like a ton of stuff in there that's really like superfluous to the plot. There's just like a lot of show about nothing stuff in these episodes that is just like little conversations and things like that. And just little funny quips. Um, uh, the sneezing stuff, uh, the you are so good looking, you know, all that stuff is just like really didn't have that much to do with the plot. But I just love that kind of dialogue. And it's all things that I love about Seinfeld. And I'm really happy all that stuff is in here in these episodes. Yeah. And as we said, the last couple of weeks, especially last week, the limo were, you know, even, you know, they quote a show about nothing, but they were really about something like this really goes back to the roots of uh, being, you know, totally irrelevant and worrying about minutia 
And yeah, there's no like Hall of Fame lines in this episode, but there's it's not a boring episode. There's you know, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And I feel like by the time we get to season four and we're talking about the pilot and NBC and all that stuff where I feel like we're getting into stuff about something. It's really here in season three that I feel like this truly does exist as a show about nothing. Uh, yeah, it will never be more irrelevant than season three. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here comes Elaine and she's like, so what happened with the hit and run? And Jerry tells the whole story. Uh, Akiva, how does the breakdown go? Right. So when when she first of all, when she when uh, Elaine asked Jerry, like he has to remind himself, like, oh, yeah, the hit and run. Yeah. So the guy goes, to, the guy goes to Queens. Queens. Can you believe it? Well, I mean, if you're from Manhattan, like unless you're a Mets fan, you're never going to Queens. <laughs> Yeah. And so, yeah, all the way into Queens. And uh, so then what happened? Right. He follows him over the bridge. Yeah. Um, and so, right. So now at this point, Jerry's already seeming like, oh, wow, Jerry's a hero in Elaine's eyes. Yeah. So they get out of the car and Jerry says, buddy, I saw you hit that car. And the guy says them, what are you going to do about it? So and at this point, Elaine is, you know, Elaine at this point would marry Jerry right here in the apartment. Yes. And Jerry and Jerry said, I said, whatever's necessary. Yeah. She's like, whoa. She's <laughs> like, wow. She's like, uh, I am without speech. That's right. She's <laughs> speechless. Yeah. And then George being, you know, and I actually like this by George because, you know, George, even though he's a bad um, secret keeper, he's being asked to lie and keep a secret here. And I understand he feels like he's been put in an uncomfortable scenario. So he's, you know, amping up the degree of difficulty by, for Jerry. And he says, tell him about the shoving. No, it's fun. This is like a role reversal. Like nine times out of 10, this is George telling a huge lie and Jerry being the one to sort of try to trip them up. Like it's a real uh, chance for George to put the shoe on the other foot. And he really is enjoying it. Yeah, this is a, so you want to be my latex salesman type of moment. Yes, yes, exactly. And so uh, Jerry went into a karate stance. What'd you think of uh, Jerry's karate stance? Or should I say karate? Yeah, I mean, we've established Jerry basically can't take any of these guys. So probably not not too scary. You know, we know Kramer learns karate later on, but uh, he also gets beat up by a bunch of kids. So I'm not sure how good he is at karate. Yeah. All right. So uh, here comes Kramer. He comes in and Elaine tells Kramer the story. And uh, we talk about uh, is it uh, hit and run people are mentally disturbed. Yeah, and I love that Kramer says they should be sent to Australia. Yes. Now, we have a lot of great listeners uh, listening to us in Australia on uh, Seinfeld, the post-show recap. So uh, we don't want them to send any criminals to Australia. No, no, no. We, we're pro-Australia. Yes. What about, would we, should they send white-collar criminals to Australia, though? Uh, where will they send blue-collar and no-collar criminals? Uh, I'd say blue-collar criminals. I'd say probably sounds like Nicaragua, I think. Oh, real? Yeah. I was thinking like Siberia. Send them to <laughs> Siberia. But you think they're going to be in Nicaragua? I think that they'll be in Nicaragua at some point. And then probably half of them will go somewhere else. What kind of crimes do no-collar criminals uh, commit, even? Uh, jaywalking, loitering, stuff like that. The Good Samaritan Law? Is that a no-collar crime? <laughs> no. Um, well, hmm. I mean, Jerry's a comedian. That's definitely a no-collar job. Yeah, that's more of a white-collar crime, the Good Samaritan law, because I feel like uh, the no-collar and blue-collar people will help each other. So no-collar crime is like, you know, smoking pot in public or something like that. Yeah, that's probably a good no-collar crime. <laughs> All right. So uh, Kramer has something on his head. What happened to his head? He has no idea. Yeah. He was watching Entertainment Tonight. Yeah. Is Entertainment Tonight still on? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. And so... 
um, he hit his head on the coffee table. And so Jerry and Elaine apparently had plans for Friday night. Jerry has to cancel those plans for Friday night. I put in my notes, this is a reverse Hernandez. That's right. It is a reverse Hernandez. But also, you know, it was worth not, you know, chasing down, not giving the lady attitude and going out with her just to get out of this horrible dinner. Yes, because uh, Jerry was going to be Elaine's date to go with the married couple, uh, Robin. So now George has to go. And George, the incentive for him is that Elaine is paying. And he says that uh, if you're paying, I'm going. A free dinner is not worth hanging out with Michael and Robin. No, definitely not. You need an hourly fee to hang out with Michael and Robin. <laughs> All right. So we cut to the restaurant. George is eating just like he is at the end of the uh, the fix up. Is this something that they keep going with the whole rest of the series? George just eats like a lunatic in the restaurant. It is not the last time we see it. It is funny that we've kind of seen almost identical looking things, you know, in the span of only a couple episodes. But he's really shoveling. Yeah. And it looks like the same restaurant that they go to in the fix up. Yeah. I mean, we know that it does look a little bigger. Yeah. Uh, and we know the fix-up restaurant, I think we said, was the busboy at, at restaurant also, right? Well, there was two restaurants in that episode. There's a restaurant that Jerry and George go to, and then there's the restaurant that Elaine and Janice from Friends go to. Right. That's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, as we've established, they don't have a ton of sets. Uh, you know, we're not, they're not angling on the, they're not getting all the cheers money until season four. <laughs> all right. So Elaine is talking about how uh, she wants to be like exciting. And she's talking about how she dated this bullfighter and, and his name was Eduardo Carocchio. <laughs> yeah. So she is, she's feeling a little sensitive about the fact that she thinks for some reason, she thinks like married people are exciting and that she's single and in her mind, like boring and pathetic. So she's spicing up her stories a little bit. Okay. And as they're having this meal and George is shoveling the spaghetti in his face, uh, Robin sneezes. And after a very extended pause, um, <laughs> George says, God bless you. Yeah. I mean, he definitely gave uh, Michael, the husband, ample time to say God bless you or Gazunite or whatever people say. <laughs> and what is the line that George says uh, after the fact? Well, after the, right, he said, well, he basically, doesn't he say like, oh, this guy, I, this guy was never going to say, uh, yeah, you're he's like, gonna I wasn't going to say anything, but this guy wasn't going to say anything. And then we cut to like, Elaine is like mortified after that. Yeah. I mean, she had to know, like bring George out with polite company. Not that this is really polite company, but bring George out to like a fancy restaurant is almost never going to pay off. Now, this is something that we saw back in, I believe it was, uh, I want to say, was it The Truth or uh, one of these other episodes? And, and we didn't mention it at the top of the show that this episode is directed by Jason Alexander. And this is, I believe, the one episode Jason Alexander directs, correct? Yeah, uh, right. We mentioned last week, this is uh, Jason Alexander's first and only directorial um, you know, episode. It was written by a friend of the podcast, Peter Melman. Oh. Um, yeah, so I was wondering, what do, you, what do you see differently about this episode you know, with Jason? Because almost every episode so far has been directed by Tom Chironis, who directs yeah. almost everything in the first five seasons. So what do you think, that Tom Chironis just like couldn't do it this week and they had Jason Alexander do it? Or do you think that Jason, they weren't happy with something about Jason Alexander doing it or Jason Alexander didn't like doing it and that's why he doesn't direct more episodes? I think, first of all, it's hard on uh, probably on a sitcom. It's probably in, in a movie. It's not unusual for uh, the star to be the director also. But in a sitcom, it just doesn't seem like it's done. Like usually uh, established shows like Seinfeld frequently have just one director or just, you know, a series of like set guys. And it's, it's not first of all, it's not such a coveted job, right? In a movie, director is the king and the writer is, you know, barely allowed on the set. Whereas mm -hmm. in television, writer is more of a coveted job. And a director, a lot of times, is just a hired hand. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know. I, it, my guess would be, to answer your question, that Jason Alexander, who we've seen in all the inside looks, is a little bit whiny, <laughs> has like a little bit of, you know, you have to massage his ego maybe more than Jerry and Elaine. And maybe he's like, hey, do you remember that episode I wasn't in? Right, he wasn't in the gum. Yes. Like, hey, do you remember that episode I wasn't in? Like, how about I, you know, get a twofer with the with uh, a twofer with Samaritan <laughs> by letting me direct? Because okay. he he, dis- he discusses it in the inside look, and you know, it didn't make it seem like, oh, I really wanted to do it again. I think to him, it was just like a big bonus for him. Well, again, I don't know how this works on TV. I don't know who makes the final call, but we end up seeing the scenes intercut as opposed to seeing one scene all the way through and then back to the other scene. I'm not sure if that it was that way on the page or that's a directorial choice. So we cut from the restaurant back to Jerry in the car with Angela and Jerry and Angela are having ice cream and Jerry, which it's odd that they're on this date and they're having ice cream in the car. That seems odd to me, right? Yeah. Are you is someone allowed to eat ice cream in your car? Yeah, I don't, I don't care. Okay. Me neither. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's not so weird. Yeah, I guess not. I mean, I don't have that, that nice of a car. Um, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I, I, maybe it's like cold out, but they wanted ice cream, but they don't want to eat it in the cold. I don't know. Yeah. And so they're talking about Anthony Quinn. Anthony Quinn is a good actor. Uh, he's a bad driver though. The worst driver. It's into everybody. But how, why isn't uh, the woman, why isn't she like, like, uh, Jerry, let, let this go. You know, it doesn't seem until like the end of the episode that she explodes, but she doesn't seem like, it's almost like she doesn't know what he's talking about. I think she's, you know, because we also see at the end, she's very aggressive. I think she's just like letting it lie, like pretending. You know, a lot of times people have like a quirk or maybe they have like a secret and you'll mention it and they'll like play dumb. So I, I think that's what she's doing. Like she's pretending like it didn't exist. It didn't happen. Maybe she thinks like, I just scraped by. I didn't really hit the car. All right. We cut back to the restaurant. George was joking around when he said, bless you. uh, But Michael is pissed. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Michael, you know, I I don't know if he's jealous of uh, George here, but, uh, you know, you don't you don't want someone to steal your thunder in front of your wife. (laughs) Yeah, not ideally. Um, And Michael asks her the question, uh, whose side are you taking? And she says, well, definitely not yours. Yeah, he's sleeping on the couch tonight. Yeah, if not every night, forever. And so we cut back to Jerry is now uh, making out. And he stops to talk about Kirk Douglas. And he waits for the other person to show up during an accident. Now, again, I know you're saying Jerry's a horrible person. But I feel like the horrible person is going to work on closing this deal and forget about the whole hit and run business. Like, it wasn't like she hit, like, a kid and drove away or something like that. It was like a fender bender. She bumped, you know, another car's bumper and then drove off. Yeah, that's true. But I think, you know, we know that Jerry has, like, the good angel and the bad angel on his shoulders. We've seen them. Yes. The brain is winning the chess match at this point. At this point, the brain is winning the chess match. But, but uh, you know, I also think, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess. If you want to give Jerry credit here, I'm not going to stop you. All right, so we go back to George in Jerry's apartment and we're talking through the events. Uh, Jerry wants to know, did George allow a space for the husband? He has the first right of God bless you. Did George allow a space for God bless you? The answer is 100% he did. Yeah. Uh, Elaine buzzes up. She's coming up the stairs. Uh, George says he waited. Now, is the woman a multiple sneezer? I mean, first of all, you can't, like, is it so hard to say God bless you three times in a row? But no, we've established she is not we see her sneeze once, then she waits a few minutes and she sneezes again. Yes. What about, is she having an off night? Hey, listen, he's got no, this is the only information he has is what's on the page. 
Okay. So Elaine comes in and she says to George, well, if it isn't Mr. Gazunite. Nobody says Gazunite in this episode. It's all God bless you. Yeah. And so George was raised to say, uh, God bless you. And that's when Elaine says, well, it's a stupid superstition. Yeah. I mean, is Elaine drunk at this point? I don't know. I just want to know, why do people have to say God bless you anyway? Yeah. I mean, I thought she'd go like the God route. Like she, Elaine is probably not religious. Like what, you know, what does Gesundheit mean, by the way? I don't know. It's uh, German for something. We don't know what it yeah. is. Maybe it's, is it German for God bless you? I don't know. Let's not, unco- let's not uh, dig too deep there. <laughs> Okay, uh, fine. And so, uh, who is it that first suggests that you should say, you're so good looking? I believe that's Jerry. Yes. And that would be better than God bless you. Do you agree? In theory, yes. But you're going to have a long road where you're the only person saying it. Yeah. What about if you are sort of like, what if me and you are hanging out? Uh, mm. and you sneeze is my response to you is sort of like a, in a one-on-one scenario. You are so good looking. Is it only cross gender? No, I think you, I think two bros can say it to each other. Uh, what about if it's one of your parents? They have to be a Seinfeld fan. <laughs> okay. So this is a perfectly acceptable response to any Seinfeld fan. Anyone who's established listener of this podcast, you could say that to them, but use it at your own discretion. Right. Well, so I think we do need to give a warning here because there is a story where just a few years ago in Iowa, a guy went on a, um, some kind of work retreat with a bunch of coworkers and anytime uh, somebody sneezed, they would say to each other, you're so good looking. And they kept saying it for the whole, uh, you know, work outing. I don't know how long it was. Okay. And then a week later, I'm reading from the Des Moines Register here. This guy, I won't say his name. I don't want to embarrass him any further. Allegedly, uh, he sent the female worker who initiated the joke, a series of emails in which he re- uh, reiterated that she was good looking. <laughs> anyway, she, com- she complained to her superiors and he was fired. Was she sneezing in the email? Like, did she have like sneezing emoticons? Nah, you know, I think it, this was, uh, this may have been pre, it was 2009. So uh, the, the, the story is 2009. It happened in 2008. I think that's pre-emoticon, no? Uh, maybe it's like you have text emoticons, like smiley face, like, but yeah, not but not, actual... not a lot. You don't have like all the crazy emoticons. Yet now. <laughs> not crazy ones that can sneeze and like blow your papers off your desk. Um, yeah, but, but, uh, anyway, so don't do it in a work environment. Don't say you're so good looking. Maybe it's better to say it to your bros. I don't know. And so... Elaine says to George that Robin wants George to call her. Uh, yeah, and we have no re- we have no idea why Robin would want to call George. Yeah, and so George it came out of nowhere, kind of, kind of out of nowhere. All right, so they're watching Entertainment Tonight, and they put the Entertainment Tonight on, and Kramer comes in and has like a huge seizure uh, as it's on, and Jerry and Elaine are talking and not noticing what Kramer is doing in the background. Yeah, I thought this whole this scene with Kramer having a seizure behind Jerry and Elaine, who don't notice, was played was played a little oddly. Yeah, in what way? I mean, you know, it's it. First of all, you can't really you don't totally see Kramer because Jerry and Elaine are in front of him. I just think you know maybe it was a Jason Alexander directing thing, but I don't you know I, I don't totally know if they played it for as many laughs as as uh, you know a lot of the other Kramer falling. Yeah, I, I think it's also hard to play a seizure for laughs. Yeah, Rob, there's a fine line between what's funny and what's not. I mean, we have a seizure tonight. We had a coma and we had a stroke a few episodes ago. I don't, 
you know, again, you know, we know he's fine. So we're not like Kramer's not really in danger. But uh, so they're trying to play it for laughs. But uh, I don't know how like for me, the scene doesn't work perfectly. Okay. They end up turning off the TV and uh, Elaine realizes that the last time Kramer hit his head. Also, he was watching Entertainment Tonight. Mary Hart was on TV. Uh, They conclude Mary Hart is giving Kramer seizures. uh, And this was based on a true story. Uh, Yes, was a true story. It did happen to a lady in the early 90s. I think it's interesting that Elaine picks this up so quickly. Like yes. you'd think they would, they would have needed a third example for Elaine to realize. And they skipped the third example Yes, because you know, in the first one, Kramer mentions that he, he doesn't even say he has a seizure. He just said something happens while he was watching entertainment tonight. And now she's sort of like making the jump the second that, you know, entertainment tonight comes on again, you know, maybe Elaine should be a doctor, but this is a pretty impressive leap here. Is this an odd thing for Seinfeld? I feel like this is sort of like a Law and Order SVU thing, like a ripped from the headlines uh, incident that happens. Yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on in this episode, and we could probably even see more from some of the storylines, like you know Becky Gelke and and you know Jerry with this Angela, who we really you know barely hear anything from until the last scene. Um, so Kramer, they're really just throwing him like a bone with this last second storyline. Um, it is a little weird. Um, you know, maybe they put it together less. You know at the end, but, uh, it, it doesn't totally work for me. Okay. So we're going to then see in the next scene, uh, George tells us that Robin wants to get together on Wednesday afternoon. And we're finding out that maybe, uh, it's going to be an affair. Yeah, who wants to get together? Yes. Um, an affair is so adult. George says he's kind of, it seems like it's kind of a turnoff to him. He describes the affair as it's like stockings and martinis and William Holden. Yeah, in the in the uh, deleted scene, they have like this scene. They analyze the affair more, and and George sort of comes to the conclusion that it's okay to have an affair for him because uh, he won't go out to. It's not like he has to take her out on fancy dates. They're hiding in apartments, so it's going to be like a free relationship for him. Yeah, he says if it doesn't cost me any money, I guess uh, he's in. Yeah, I mean, George's religion above all else is is definitely money. <laughs> yes. And so Kramer comes in. Hey, guess who owns the car that that lady hit? The blonde with the blue sweatpants. Kramer's like the neighborhood gossip, you know, like he just assumes that they know about this car because probably in the mailroom and, you know, wherever Kramer's hanging out with Newman and everyone else in the building, like they're just, you know, they're everyone else's friends with, you know, except for maybe Jerry and uh, and the crew. Like, you know, Jerry doesn't know what's going on, but Kramer is, is like the building Yenta. Yeah. And so uh, Elaine is sort of like, uh, these guys are ridiculous. Uh, She's leaving. She says she's going to go meet a guy with gray sweatpants. And we also then hear Kramer from the hallway yell, wait, how do you know it's not John Tesh? Uh, John Tesh, I know he used to be like a DJ, like on like uh, FM stations and he makes like music. And uh, he also... uh, this came up on one of the podcasts recently that he recorded. He wrote like the uh, NBA on NBC theme. Uh, yeah. Bill Simmons always links to this. There's like a funny video on YouTube of John Chesh. That's if people don't know, it's the song. I guess they're not going to hear it, know it from me, but <laughs> right. That famous song that's no longer really in use. Uh, yeah. I guess that's his uh, most famous sort of music type of thing. Okay. And so now we're going to go see uh, Jerry go visit Becky Gelke, the woman in the blue sweatpants. And Jerry's talking to her. He's like, what kind of sick person does something like this? Jerry knows where to draw the line. There should be more people like us. Yeah, I love when Jerry and George get, you know, indignant about, about the world and convince themselves that they're great people. Yeah. All right. So Jerry is working on Becky Gelke. We cut to George, who's in bed with Robin. 
Uh, yeah, this is really like shocking, you know, out of the blue. You know, good for you, George. Again, we've said for, you know, George Costanza for a short, fat, bald guy. He does really well with the ladies. Now, how come he's in bed with Robin? Although when he was with Janice from Friends, he needed to be in the kitchen. Was it because uh, he heard the reports that didn't go well? It's the same bedroom set. Right. I think he got bad feedback on the kitchen. Yes. Okay. Uh, fair enough. And George can't believe he just committed adultery. And Robin stops him and says, well, you didn't commit adultery. You're not married. Yeah, it's a good point by Robin. Yes. And uh, then <laughs> George ends up uh, talking to her. And, uh, you know, we find out about uh, the guy that she's married to. He uh, never says, God bless you. George tells her how uh, there's a lot of losers out there. Yeah, you wouldn't want to get caught with a loser. Yeah. So uh, look at George in bed with uh, with the woman. And I feel like George sort of gets away with this. Like there's really no other than he has to go on the road with Jerry for three weeks. Really no uh, long term ramifications for George in this. Yeah. Do you think three weeks later when he comes home from the road with Jerry, is Michael still going to be looking for him? I guess not because it never comes up again. Yeah. I mean, maybe the whole rest of the series, he's just like living in fear of Michael. Okay. So. We get a phone call at Elaine's house and it's Michael and he wants to know where's Rachel. Okay. So he wants to know, is she with uh, your bald friend from the other night? And he ends up saying that, uh, that he's going to sew his ass to his face. Do you think this is like a crazy leap where he's just assuming that George is, you know, his wife is sleeping with George who she met once and, you know, all he did was say, God bless you. And the rest of the time he ate like a pig. Yeah, uh, so his ass to his face. Uh, that's a tough talk right there. Yeah, it's pretty shocking almost when you hear it. You know, every time you hear it, it's like, uh, what? They really got away with this in 92? Yeah. Uh, and then what's the second threat he says? Yeah, so his threats, uh, he has, I think, three threats. First, he says he's going to sew uh, George's ass to his face. Okay. Uh, right. Then he, then he says he's going to twist his neck so hard his lips are going to become eyebrows. All right, that seems odd. And then he's going to break. Uh, he said he's going to break something and then reattach them. Okay. Um, so your ass to your face is probably the best of those three, right? Yeah, I, I think yeah, that's the one Elaine repeats at George in the next scene. Like, that's really, uh, that's the one I would be scared of. That's, that's the one that would make me go on the road. Okay. More than twist my neck so hard that my lips would be my eyebrows. All right. So we go back to Jerry's apartment. We don't see exactly how this confrontation unfolds. But we see the crazy lady just yelling at Jerry. And uh, she's also making like ludicrous uh, threats that I couldn't even transcribe them fast enough. Uh, she was going to pluck out all his body hairs with his teeth. She's going to have a party on his head. She's going to do all, all these things. Uh, what would you think about this scene, Akiva? <laughs> she called him suck face, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a little weird, right? We, we've gotten very little Evangela so far. We barely know her name. You know, she, in the car, she was just making out with Jerry and wanted to talk about, you know, how good of an actor Anthony Quinn is. And now, you know, and now she's threatening him and she has this crazy accent. Like, is she doing a voice or is this a real voice? I don't know. I don't know. It, the whole thing is like really it's bizarre. It's really bizarre. And I think yeah. it's way over the top. I think it's actually my least favorite thing about the episode. Yeah. And now this Angela is also a terrible person. Yeah. No, she's the worst. She's like a, a maniac. Is she okay? So now we have to update our worst person rankings, Rob. <laughs> is she worse than Michael Chiklis? Um, boy, he came over and, and hired prostitutes and uh, then walked yeah. out on them. 
Boy, uh, she's... Jim Pei and cheated on his wife with prostitutes. Or or could it be like the prom and we make a king and a queen? The king and the queen. I think he's the the worst guy and she's the worst woman. She's worse than the baby shower lady. Yeah, I think so. Okay, fine. So, Angela, congratulations. You're our new worst. The baby shower lady didn't commit any crimes. Uh, That we know of. That we know of. I I mean, isn't it a crime to like ruin somebody's shirt by throwing stuff on it? I guess so. I guess not. <laughs> um, vandalism, I guess. All right. So then uh, she ends up leaving uh, as Elaine walks in. And uh, <laughs> Elaine is like teasing Jerry, says, uh, oh, Mr. Seinfeld, that must have been so frightening. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, she, uh, his first of all, the jig is up for Jerry now that Elaine knows. Was it a good jig? Listen, the odds of him getting caught were pretty high considering he's dating this woman. Like, let's say. He keeps dating her for months. Elaine's going to find out about it. Yes. Okay. You know, George is going to, George is going to spill the beans. George is never, never just not going to, he's never going to keep a secret forever. Okay. So George comes up and Elaine asks him, did you check your machine? She left him a message that Michael is on the lookout. Yeah. And this has got to be pretty scary for George. He had no idea, you know, that his cover was blown. Yeah. Because now he says that he would sew George's ass to his face. And then, and George wants to know how hard is it to lie? Yeah, but but Elaine didn't know that she was supposed to cover for for uh, Robin until it was too late. Yeah, Elaine says, uh, "Who told you to say God bless you?" And George blames it on Elaine, and he says that Elaine got Robin all juiced up after the talk about the matador. What do you think of that? Have you ever heard that expression before? No, but I hear what they're saying. Like because Elaine w- was worried about being left out. And she kind of was a one-upper. She one-upped Robin. So then Robin is, you know, like, oh, wow, look at Elaine. With, she's single. She's got matadors. All I have is this loser, Michael, who doesn't even say God bless you when I sneeze. Yeah. And Jerry's like, excuse me, what's this about the, the matador? Or what, what's his name? Uh, and Elaine very sheepishly tells Jerry, uh, Eduardo Carocchio. <laughs> and Jerry now feels like uh, Elaine is no longer on the moral high ground with him. No, none of the three of them have any high ground in this episode. All right, so then we go back to Jerry with Becky Gelke. Uh, Jerry is writing a check for Becky Gelke. He wants to pay for it. Uh, he gives her a check. It's $875. He then asks her for her number. She's like, you got a lot of nerve, buddy. Now, you think you smash on my car, and then you ask me out on a date? And uh, she ends up uh, you know, trying to get rid of him. Yeah, and first of all, you know, for the Jerry even Steven rings, let's say he's now down like negative $6,000 or something. At least, at the very least. You know, this is, this is 875 totally out the window. This is a total write-off. Yes, and then she ends up sneezing and he tells her, uh, you are so good looking. And then what does she slam the door in his face? Yeah. Okay. And then uh, George, we find out, is going to be going on the road with Jerry for three weeks after that. Yeah, to avoid the maniac who's stalking him. Yes. And Kramer comes in and says, oh my God, Jerry, you were the hit and run. So really back to back weeks, uh, Kramer came in. He thought that Jerry was like a neo-Nazi or in the Aryan race at the very least. And now he thinks he's a hit and run guy. Yeah. Kramer's like a child who wanders into the middle of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> he's and, out of his element. And Kramer is the one going on the date with Becky Gelke. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, we say Kramer broke the go, the Broco here, but, uh, I'm not so sure, you know, that he totally knew that Jerry was, uh, you know, really at, gonna like, cause Jerry's had a crush on her for a year. Like at what point does, you know, does, is the statute of, of limitations of Jerry's crush over? Yeah. I think not at the point that Jerry's at in the relationship. I mean, he's like, like he just started talking to her. Yeah. But does Kramer know that? Mm, I guess so. Maybe they were sort of rivals. Yeah, he's kind of out of the loop in this episode, Kramer. Yeah. 
And then, uh, how does the episode end? Well, so Kramer's ragging on Jerry, you know, for doing this. And but then Jerry very, just as easily as Kramer was convinced that Jerry's a criminal, you know, Kramer becomes convinced that Jerry's not a criminal, right? And then he lets, and then he lets him know he's dating Becky. Yeah. And then the last scene ends up being, uh, so Kramer like slicks his hair back. What do you think of this new look for Kramer? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It is crazy. And so he goes to Becky's apartment. He opens the door. She has entertainment tonight on. And then he just ends up going uh, loco. Uh, yeah, he, you know, again, the seizure is like a little bit over the top. You know, she, Becky Gelke does not want to have any of it here. Um, you know, he just hears it like way in the background and he's already seizing. Um, you know, I don't know if there's a Jason Alexander thing. They say in the inside look that, um, you know, Kramer wanted to use props and, and they kind of decided against using props. And then in the end, Kramer ends up breaking stuff on the set anyway. Um, I wonder, I do wonder if it was a more uh, experienced director, if they would have handled this better. Yeah. All right. So Akiva, if this happened in the year 2015, would this story be any different? It's a good question. I don't know. Well, I mean, is there anything in particular that's glaring that couldn't have happened? Um, no, maybe the hit and run might have been on camera somewhere. Uh, that might have been a thing. Also, uh, Robin, if she was unhappy with her marriage, might have already been on like AshleyMadison.com or something like that. So she might not have had to have the affair with George. She might have already been had easy access to an affair and not just meet whatever guy uh, she went out to dinner with with Elaine. That's not a sponsor for this podcast. It is, is it? not. It is not. No, it, we do not condone AshleyMadison.com. No. What if if they come calling? You you say no. Uh, well, what do they want to advertise on? On, on all of your podcasts, they want to be the number one sponsor and they'll pay you twice what everybody else is paying you. Yeah. Like United Airlines money. Uh, if they're giving you, they're giving you United Airlines money. That's right. If they're giving me United Airlines money, I think we got to do it. Yeah. I mean, you got to run that by your wife. Mm, I find that it's probably best to not run anything Ashley Madison uh, past your <laughs> significant other. I think that's the I think that's the idea, Akiva. Yeah, Rob, if you don't tell your wife, you know how many people are going to are going to squeal the way, you know, Elaine lets loose that, uh, you know, that 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 George is uh, cheating. You know, how many people are going to tweet at her and say, hey, what do you think about this Ashley Madison sponsor? Yeah. The first day they hear it. Yeah. For if, you, if people who don't know, Ashley Madison is a website where people can go to like uh, it's like a match dot com for people who are married to have affairs. Uh, but I think we could do this spot and be sort of like, uh, all right, Ashley Madison dot com uh, that uh, it's the best place to go to have an affair. Uh, in fact, uh, my wife doesn't even know uh, we're doing this commercial. <laughs> so. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So the, 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 if you want to be discreet like this, <laughs> check out com. If she walks into the room, like while you're doing the spot, you just say like, yeah, they, uh, you know, they sell snacks. Yes. They sell snacks. <laughs> yeah. They have a uh, free sampler. All right. So Akiva, where would you rank this episode? All right. Well, um, you know, first of all, what, what do you think in general? Where would you put this in season three uh, Pantheon? I don't know. I feel like it's probably in the middle of season three. I feel like if I was going to do my rankings, I feel like it'd probably be outside the top 100, but it's not probably outside the top, the top 120. I hear you. For me, there was a few issues. It didn't end perfectly. You know, they could have tied together Michael looking for uh, George better. Uh, I, you know, as we've established, I didn't really like the Kramer seizure stuff. The Angela scene where she just becomes like this tough, you know, like talking person out of the Sopranos is really weird. Uh, and there's really not one classic line in the whole episode. Yes. Uh, so for me, I have I have the good I have the good Samaritan at 141. 141. 
That's low, I feel like. Uh, yeah, that is that is uh, the lowest uh, we've had in a while. Only the tape and the suicide. Uh, no, there's a few. The tape, the suicide, the truth, and the note. Uh, the Stranded doesn't really count because it's really a season two episode. And the dogs. It's like, yeah, it's uh, toward the bottom of season three. Okay. Let's jump into some things from our mailbag uh, for this week. Of course, the email address is Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. We take your email every week on the show. Uh, let's uh, take, a, we've got a couple of emails this week uh, from Johnny Silvera. He wants to know, uh, <laughs> all right, first off, uh, have either of you two witnessed a hit and run? Akiva, have you witnessed a hit and run? No, uh, not to my knowledge. Yeah. No. What I about mean, you? No, I have not. Um, also, Johnny wants to know, can I say that George would have been just fine if he had just said bless you and hadn't called out the husband? Yeah, he really goes over the line, I think, with calling out Michael, right? Yeah, I mean, it's absurd. George has no people skills here. Yeah, that was really a terrible idea. Um, and let's take a question uh, from Chester, who uh, this is what Chester's observation. Of course, he tells us every week what his thoughts are on the episodes. He says that George was really ahead of the ball with the concept of meet cute. What does that mean? What's meet cute? All right. So a meet cute in TV or movies is basically the, the funny way that a couple that will soon be, you know, the two people that are meeting and they're soon going to be a couple. They meet each other in like a funny or quirky way, you know, sort of like uh, how I met your mother, but you know, backwards. So here they're, you know, in this episode, they're analyzing like funny ways, uh, you know, like it's not, you know, if you don't have a good story, you're not going to be, uh, you know, you're, you're couple, you don't have a chance to be a great couple. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, uh, I guess they're ahead of the, I mean, it's something that already existed, but I guess they're a little bit, you know, ahead of the curve here. Yeah. And Chester also says, uh, one week Kramer thinks Jerry is a Nazi or CIA. The next week he thinks he's a chronic hit and runner. Is anyone quicker to abandon a friend of 10 years than Kramer? Uh, he'll continue to do this throughout the series, of course, such as immediately assuming Jerry and George are gay when he reads it in the paper. Yeah. Kramer is not a great friend. He's not a great friend, but he's also like a puppy. Like he's kind of just like whatever's in front of him. That's what he thinks. Yeah. All right, Kiva, what's coming up next week on the show? All right. So next week, uh, we have uh, the third to last episode of season three, The Letter. We have um, Elaine in Yankee Stadium wearing a Baltimore Orioles hat. And we have the famous uh, portrait uh, that Catherine Keener makes of uh, Cosmo Kramer. Wow. All right. This is a huge episode next week. Uh, yeah, especially if you're a Baltimore Orioles fan. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we want to hear from you guys on the show every week. Seinfeld at Post Show Recaps. Also, we want to hear your comments at postshowrecaps.com here in uh, episode number 37 of Seinfeld. Keep you have a hashtag for this episode. Hmm. Do you have any in mind? How about blue sweatpants? Yeah, I was thinking that Eduardo Carocchio is pretty hard to spell. Yes. So um, what about uh, Mary Heart Seizures? Mary Heart Seizures? All right. I don't know if we want to uh, talk uh, about seizures too much. Okay, fine. Let's stick with the blue sweatpants. Okay. I was going to say Robin Paterno. Yeah, that, I think they're hard to spell also. Um, let's okay. go with blue sweatpants. All right, Akiva. Blue sweatpants it is. All right. Thank you so much uh, again for all of your hard work again this week. Uh, follow Akiva on Twitter. He's at Keeve26. Uh, thanks so much to Mike Moore, who writes all of our recaps on postshowrecaps.com. Uh, he does a fantastic job with all that week in and week out. And thanks to uh, Scott St. Pierre, who uh, does a fantastic job helping out with editing uh, this show. We'll be back next week to talk about the letter here on Seinfeld, the Post Show Recaps. Subscribe on iTunes at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye.